Really good to see everybody here this morning. Uh, last Saturday, we had about 200 people that came uh, to participate in our uh, clothing giveaway to the community, and there was a bunch of you that were involved in that. Thank you to to all of you who were involved in helping to bless our community through uh, not just the distribution of clothing, but for some even uh, uh, to receive the gift of food. And then yesterday we had probably close to 200 kids, and that's not counting parents and older siblings, probably uh, probably somewhere around 400 folk that showed up yesterday for our trunk of treats. And again, so many of you were a part of that. We probably had 50, 51 trunks that were opened up that were distributing candy, uh, the, the, the auction and some things like that. We still are going to uh, be reporting uh, the news and all of this in an effort to help our adopted school, Oak Grove, and people in our community during this period of time. And I'm just really grateful for your participation in it. Uh, we're going to continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And our theme statement for this series is up on the screen. It's this. God loves to untwist what is twisted. Let's say that together. God loves to untwist what is twisted. And one of the things that we've been saying all along, and I'll repeat it this morning, is that human beings are twisted. We are warped and we are bent. And humans cannot be what they were created to be and will never be what we ought to be under our own steam. Now most of us have heard all of our life that if you don't learn from your history, you're doomed to repeat it. But here's the thing, we are more aware of our history than at any other time in the history of humans, and we can't help but repeat our history. And the reason is this, the problem is not human history, but human nature. We, as human beings, have not accepted the fact that it's easier to make a better toaster, a better microwave, a better automobile than it is to make a better human heart. But God has accepted fully this sobering truth about humans, about you and about me. And this is why there is a gospel. This is why as a church, we must continue to communicate and underscore that there is more to the gospel than just forgiveness today on the day of our conversion and heaven far off and nothing in between. God does not just forgive us. Now, forgiveness is a really important thing. But he does not just forgive us. He desires more than just forgiven people. God desires transformed people. People whose lives are modeled on the life of Jesus. And, and knowing that, he has, that we cannot do this on our own, he has gifted us with the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit helps us in the process of, of regular old vanilla-flavored garden-variety human beings like you and me develop the very character of God. And so we've looked at this passage before in First Thessalonians chapter 5. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, make you holy, to give you the, the, the character of God. Now, in our theme passage, the way that Paul talks about this is not to use the word sanctify, but to talk about walking by the Spirit as a way of life, doing life with God's Spirit in us, producing what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit or the character of God. That by God's Spirit in us, we produce love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The process of sanctification or walking by the Spirit is turning you and turning me into a person whose life 
is marked by all, not just one or two, but by all of these virtues. Now, we've already looked at love and we've looked at joy last week. This morning, we are going to look at peace. Now, many of you know that I was born in Wichita Falls, Texas, one of the main cities, if not the hub city of Tornado Alley. And everybody knows what a tornado is, right? A tornado, destructive force of nature. A tornado is a vandal at best and a killer at worst. And years ago, you know, there was a, there was a period of time where there were a lot of movies about tornadoes. There was one in particular called Twister that came out about tornado chasers. A tornado chaser is someone who lives close to a tornado but tries to stay out of the path of a tornado. But predictably in the movie, if you've seen it, and I'm sure many of you have, the tornado chasers can't help but fall into the path of the tornado and they take the full brunt of its destructive muscle. A tornado will do what a tornado does. I don't know about you, but the year 2020 feels a little bit like a year in the path of a tornado. There's the virus and all of the stuff associated with the virus. There's the the unresolved issues of race, politics, the economy. Everybody's worried. There are conspiracy theories ad infinitum. It is a year in the path of a tornado. And because of that, so many people that we know, and maybe even a part of us this morning, there are so many people that we know that are racked with anxiety. And the reason for that is not just because things are not going the way that we would like for them to go in this year, but because human beings are not built for anxiety. In Genesis 1 and 2, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in between. And after each creation project, God pronounced that what he saw, what he had created was tov, T-O-V, which is the Hebrew word good. Now, the word tov in Hebrew means more than just good in the sense of, you know, that was a pretty good steak, but maybe not great. It means more than that. Tov tov carries the idea of this is the way that it is supposed to be. There's, There's no death. There is no disease. There is no defect. There is there is no whiff of cancer, not a trace of injustice. There's no racism. There are no wars. Everything is just the way it is supposed to be, and it's good. And then, as you know, in Genesis chapter 3, sin comes and just defaces and wrecks and mars everything that is good. Death comes, murder shows up, danger spreads throughout the world, and anxiety comes to human beings because we sense that things are beginning to fall apart, including human beings. And believe it or not, that falling apart, that is at the root of the word for anxiety in the New Testament. The things are beginning to fragment, that they're, they're separating, that they're beginning to fall apart. But here's the good news. God offers through His Holy Spirit, He offers to you a peace that passes understanding. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. That is, a peace that you really can't explain. It's a peace that just goes beyond a description of words. It is a peace that passes understanding. Now, when we typically think of peace, we think the opposite of war, which it is. But think again about what war is. War is, is, is the, the fragmenting and the falling apart of, of, of the world and, and human beings. But it's more than that. Peace is actually the opposite of anxiety. 
Remember, we said that's what anxiety means, anxiety. That word in the New Testament, marimna, means everything is falling apart, everything is separating. The word in Hebrew for peace, as you know, is shalom in, in, New Test, in the New Testament, it's irene. And where anxiety carries that sense of everything just falling apart, separating, fragmenting, shalom or peace carries the idea of wholeness or soundness or things being put together the way that they're supposed to be put together. And it comes, you know, this description comes in a couple of odd places. Think about Joshua chapter 8 when they're building that altar. And God instructs in the building of the altar, it should be whole stones, nothing that's ever been touched by a chisel or a hammer. In the Hebrew of Joshua 8, they are called shalom stones. They are stones that have never been beaten up. They are complete. They are intact. They've never been cracked by a sledge. When Solomon wants to describe what happens when two people are apart from each other because of strife, and then they are reconciled, you know, what's moving apart and fragmenting and being separated, coming back together the way that it's supposed to, he calls it shalom. Proverbs chapter 16, when the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make shalom, oneness again with them. In Psalm 29, there is this description at the beginning of the psalm of the world in a flood, in a storm, and everything is just being shaken. And at the end of that psalm, God describes himself as, in verse 10 and 11, being seated, enthroned over the flood, enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with shalom. In the middle of a description of the world just falling apart, God is giving people that shalom, the sense that everything in safe and being pulled together. So with that in mind, in the middle of COVID-19, 2020, we read these words from Paul. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So after all of the stuff that we've been dealing with this year, Paul has the audacity to say, the Lord is near and he will give you a peace that passes understanding. We want to say, yeah, right, Paul, easy for you to say, until we remember that when he writes these words, he is in a Roman prison. Paul writes that the kingdom of God, even for somebody like him in prison, offers an inexplicable peace in the place of anxiety in the sense that everything's just falling apart. Now here is the big idea that I want you to walk away with this morning. Peace is the kingdom cure to anxiety. Peace is the kingdom cure to anxiety. Now, again, that's the big idea. How do you get there? Paul teaches us two things in Philippians 4, to pray and to ponder every day, to pray and to ponder. Let's talk first about praying. Let me read verses 5 and 6. The Lord is near. Not far away, not isolated, not on an island. The Lord is near. He's not separating us from Him. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. The word every means what? Everything, right? <laughs> 
That, that's a Webster uh, definition of every. The word every means every. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, there is no situation in your life that is out of the reach of prayer. Prayer is the avenue to God's ear that goes to his heart. Please repeat after me. The Lord hears because the Lord is near. Let's say that again. The Lord hears because the Lord is near. And you know, when prayer is presented in the Bible, especially the Psalms, it's not always these sanitized niceties. Prayer in the Psalms sometimes asks questions like, where are you, God? And what are you doing, God? And why aren't you doing something, God? But prayer as presented and modeled in the Bible, is always turning us back to God as the true source of our heart's healing. And then number two, ponder. We pray every day in every situation and we think, we ponder. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think. Think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard or seen in me, put into practice. And then what does he say? And the God of what, church? Peace will be with you. Your mind, Dallas Willard often used to say before he died a few years ago, is that the most important thing about you is your mind. What you think. Have you ever noticed how much stuff we put into our minds that does not lead to peace? How can people seeking peace find peace in in rock songs or country songs or rap songs that do anything but promote peace? I mean, think about the the, the television shows, the things that you laugh at. Think about about the the kind of news that, that, that seems to embrace us before we even embrace it, about all of these things that come into our mind and as we do an inventory of them, as Paul has asked us to do, you know, whatever's admirable, praiseworthy, think about these things. As we do an inventory of what we put into our mind, do, does it lead to peace? Now, I, I'm not vilifying all music or human or, or, or news, and I do think that sometimes in the movies that Hollywood gets it right. And I'm not advocating hiding from the world. But peace is hard to come by to people who wholeheartedly embrace the very things that glorify or cause us to fall apart. And it's time for us to do an inventory of the things that we ponder on a daily basis. And one of the things I think right now is that our world needs God's untwisted people. People who love people the way that God loves people. People who, by the sheer joy of their life, communicates that they already possess everything that they need. People who, in the midst of anxiety, exhibit a peace that passes understanding. It is a peace that is generated by the Spirit of God. Amen? Let's stand and sing.